0: Chris Jones is back and has entered the Defensive Player of the Year discussion, plus maybe a little Ship of Theseus discussion? I don't know, probably not. Let's go.
1: You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC
2: Laboratory.
0: It's a live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by M Bank Member FDIC. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us. We appreciate you uh, watching, listening. Uh, thank you. genuinely. We it means a lot that people are supporting KC Sports Network and all the great stuff that we have going on on this channel right now. And there is uh, an unprecedented amount of of things that you can check out right now here at KC Sports Network. I don't know if you like to hear from Chase Daniel, if you want to hear from Derek Johnson, I don't I'm named dropping like that one bit. Uh, you know, sorry for name dropping, but like, I
1: mean, it's pretty, it's pretty dope. Also, you can hear from Maddie Lane. Hi, Matthew. Listen, I'm just trying to figure out what kind of show we're going to have. Are we having like a Chris Jones Defensive Player of the Year show? Or are we having like a deep discussion <laughs> about the ship of Theseus here? Just <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, which, which direction are we going to end up going with this, Craig? Where, where do you want to go? I'm putting, where i actually, you- I'm putting this on you. And these are two of your favorite things. So like, you have to make the hard choice.
3: God. This is this is a real Sophie's Choice for me, you guys. Um, I don't... I don't... Uh, I think I'm going to just weave the paradoxical nature of the secret ship of Theseus in there with all of our defensive talk. Like, we're just going to duck in and out of it. But we're largely going to talk about the defense because the people at home don't want to hear about the rest of it. Uh, I
1: don't know. I think they do.
0: All right, so... <laughs> If the Week One defense was the defense, and they modify it with Chris Jones, <laughs> is it still, it's
3: the, still same the, de- is it? It's the same sure? defense? Is it? Are we sure? I don't it know was whether still built the same. It was built to be the defense as it is. Okay. Well, Just because they were able to finally add in the remaining piece to the ship, okay, does mean that the ship has changed. Well, Week
0: One, Week Two, the results were still the same. T- Kansas City, we have a chief fence, y'all. I am ready to officially declare on this day, Monday, September 18th, 2023, the Chiefs have a very good Chief Fence. My goodness, I rewatched the game last night. It is so, I, I'm geeking out and having a, you know things are different when I'm geeking out about the Chief Fence. But here we are. We've got a deep, talented group that can do a lot of different things and then they interject Chris Jones who decides hey you know what Micah Parsons I know you had a pretty good week one let me just let me just show you what's up too I'm I'm here I'm here Chris Jones interjects into the defensive player of the year conversations immediately with a fantastic performance man uh, uh let's start with Chris and move to the rest of the defense um uh, great start for him uh in, in his in his first game <laughs>
1: Yeah, Is that that's okay? I didn't know if that was the end of it. Uh, yeah, it was. It was a really great start for Chris Jones um, for his for Build his a end. ship out of Chris Jones. <laughs> yeah, you know that's a, that's a big ship there.
0: Um, oh, for a second we were building this show without Maddie because he just wasn't going to talk. So we're. I didn't okay. know that
1: was the end of it. I didn't okay. know that's where you were ending. You you know, swap that up. No, by now you didn't make eye contact. It was kind of like half-hearted. It was bad. Chris Jones, phenomenal game. Um, he came in with. Only 51% of the snaps played. And yet, that's all I think, that's the first place everyone's going to go to when they talk about the Chiefs from this game, right? It was how impactful Chris Jones was, how he dominated it. He did that by playing just barely over half of the snaps. Like, that's all it was. So there was clearly an acclimation period. I think, Kit, you even said it when you were rewatching the game last night, that later in the game, he definitely appeared to be quite gassed, as one would expect. But guess what? That didn't stop him from being, you know, the key piece to holding the Jags out of the end zone on the final third and fourth down play to force a turnover on downs.
0: Yeah.
1: He was a difference maker. He was everything that he was telling the world that he was when he was asking for Aaron Donald money in this particular game. He was exactly he was exactly that. And if he keeps that up throughout the entire year, like, hey, someone's gonna have to pony up, whether it's the Chiefs or somebody else, they're gonna pony him up, pony up to pay him a whole whole lot of money. And if he continues that level of play, I mean, it's gonna be hard to poke any holes in in that logic, even given the age and everything like that, because I mean he was just phenomenal against the Jags.
3: He really was. And I, I think you you can see it with, with actual numbers. I don't know if anybody's familiar with uh, DVOA. It's uh, Aaron Schatz created this. It is a basically an analytical formula that does. The best of anything that I've ever seen at trying to measure, you know, offensive and defensive performance. There still has these holes. There's still natural things that are in there, but they weight it based on who you are playing against. In week one, the Chiefs finished this, they finished the week one game and were 29th in defensive DVOA. I thought that that was too low. Like, I really did think it was too low. I, a lot of that is using weighting. That they hadn't fully come around on the Lions being who they were yet, and the Chiefs' defense gave up a little bit of extra in the dime than maybe, or not the dime, but the four-two-five nickel than maybe they should have come around to this next week. Numbers are in so far, barring the Monday Night Football games that we're recording during. Chiefs are number two in defensive DVOA. Mm. Now they catapulted all the way up there. A lot of that is adjusting. For strength of opponent. The Lions have now been recognized as, oh hey this is a really good offense. The Jaguars are recognized as, oh hey this is a really good offense. And oh hey everybody else did not perform to the level that the Chiefs defense did yesterday. Like there are some really good defenses that did not look even remotely close to as good as Steve Spagnuolo's Chiefs defense did yesterday against a good offense in the Jacksonville Jaguars. It is so fun to watch that and to see that the Chiefs can add a player like Chris Jones, have all this come to fruition, have everybody recognize with the Detroit Lions going out there and scoring as many points as they did. Oh, yeah, that is still a really good offense. It legitimizes what they did in week one. It certainly legitimizes what they did in week two. You you, you can look at the numbers and see, oh, wow, they held Trevor Lawrence down. It was so fun to watch that, and Chris Jones was a large I mean, yeah, he was, he was awesome. That's and like, part of it. yeah, yeah, well, and like, I think it's funny, like
0: last year, I don't, they, they really didn't move him around too much. Right. Uh, And then all of a sudden first quarter, they're just like, you know what? Let's pick on Anton Harrison here. Like, let's just end this rookie rookie's confidence, like immediately. <laughs> let's just line Chris Jones over him. Like they started moving around. Like, it's like no point in, in wasting it now. Right. Because. They used it to embarrass the Cincinnati Bengals who are 0 two 0 three in their last games last three games and have no rings. Um, but I just I was very impressed I was just very impressed with uh, obviously Chris and, and him coming in and yeah 50 per, 50% of snaps roughly felt like more like it felt like I mean his Could impact, you the impact that he yeah, had? yeah exactly exactly. <laughs> well, you remember you remember his impact you know when it you know when he wasn't and you're right, like I, I did think he was getting gassed. This funny thing is, is there's this play where Chris is like, he's on fumes and you can tell and he stood straight up and he still like gives a half-hearted move to Anton Harrison and still crosses his face and beats him. <laughs> it's like late in the fourth quarter and like, he, Chris is like, I he's, he's, he's running on fumes and it's just like, it still beat it. Like, I'll go, I gotta go like fight it and cut it up later. It was, so good. It it killed me. Uh, but yeah, Chris Jones did great, but he was not the only player that deserves praise. There are so many players on this roster that I will emphasize this again. I've emphasized this a lot. Just because a rookie class has a good first year doesn't mean they're stopped, they're gonna be done growing, and it doesn't mean that some of the guys that maybe didn't have as big of an impact aren't going to continue to grow and develop and to turn into players. And I'll, I'll usually like leo chanel as an example i'll probably wax poetic about him uh because i was geeked out about him but like this this second year class is playing well uh i and they're just that injection of talent under the defensive side of the ball is just massive and you're seeing their growth and development they seem to be breaking through the sophomore slump some guys that you know maybe didn't play as much are are looking better and better as their you know games are as these sample sizes are growing man like there's just so much talent on this team and like I want to talk about the second year players specifically because man the second best player on the defense might be Trent McDuffie
1: I mean I've been I've been banging the drum that it's gonna be Trent McDuffie by the end of the year for a while now and I think Through two games, I've seen nothing to make me think otherwise. LeJarrius Sneed also, I think, had a really good game. I think I mentioned on the post-game show, in the first half, Sneed got targeted a little bit, and that had led to some success for the Jags offense, but he really locked in the second half, and he played great. And so like LeJarrius Sneed's still who the team sees as their best corner because he's out there shadowing number one wide receivers on the other team when they want to do that. He followed Talvin Ridley around, right? He still gets that job. However... What Tripp McDuffie's doing just on a snap-by-snap basis, whether it's blitzing, whether it's coming up to play the run, some of the just the high IQ plays he's making to recognize play action, stick with a guy trying to faint a stock block at him and then undercut them so the Trevor Lords couldn't fit the ball to Christian Kirk. That play where uh, Zay Jones ran the over route in the end zone, I I thought at first he just made a good job recovering. But no, when you watch that back from the end zone, that's perfect coverage for a guy that's getting no help because the Chiefs blitzing on that play. He had no help. He had to cover a cross field route by himself out of the slot versus a wide receiver off the line of scrimmage, and he was right in the hip pocket the entire time. Like, it's getting really hard to say that Trent McDuffie's underrated. I think we're about to get to the point where like the national media is going to start recognizing how good he's been as well. And so, yeah, if I have to place my you know claim on somebody as being the second blessed best player on this Chiefs defense, it is Trent McDuffie. But I mean, he's not the only guy in contention for that award.
3: I mean, if we're sticking with. Year two players, George Karloffis looks fantastic. He he really does look terrific here. George Karloffis with two and a half sacks. I don't care what the NFL stat. I was gonna is. I was gonna stat correct you the other day, nope. Craig. But nope, I it just... is two and a half sacks. <laughs> that one with he was on top of Goff after the fumble. They counted that as a rush. I'm sorry, no, no. Jared Goff is turtling on the ground. George Karloffis comes up and taps him. It's fine. It's not a rush. I, I'm counting it as a sack. I don't I don't care what the NFL stats say. Mm. George Carloftis has looked really good though. His hand usage, we've been ranting and raving at all preseason. It is it, it really is terrific. You can see the work that he put in with Tamba that he put in with, you know, the the jujitsu trainers that were over there. It really has made such a difference in his ability to win quicker in the rep. We talked a lot about some of his sacks last year at the end of the year were maybe more hustle sacks later in the drop, that sort of thing. That's not a bad thing. We don't mean that as a slight, but when you go up against quarterbacks that are going to try and get the ball out quickly, you you could almost be completely nullified by that. So George Karloftis' ability to clear hands, turn a corner quicker, get into the backfield quicker, wreck havoc, it, it was not more evident than his sack that he got early on in the game Mike Dana pushes the pocket. We're going to get to Mike Dana later. Chris Jones around the outside, and, you know, beating Anton Harrison very, very clean. Trevor Lawrence steps up, and George Kralofis is just waiting there because he took the guard and just discarded him, just immediately threw him aside, standing in the gap, comes up with a sack. It's stuff like that, those quick wounds that have mattered so much to this team. We know he's got the high football IQ. He's sniffing stuff out better. He's playing the run better. Picking up on screens better, all, all the things that you would hope for a Steve Spagnola defensive end with what they're tasked with, he's picked up all of that really, really, really well. Now all of a sudden he's winning quicker in his pass rush reps. You are seeing the productivity there in the pass rush within two and a half seconds. That's the stuff that really, really matters. We've always said that George Carlotta ceiling was, you know, maybe like a, a Trey Hendrickson or something like that, a guy with the, that's going to kind of grow into his role a little bit more. I I think he's pacing for that. You know, I really do. I think we're seeing that earlier in his career than maybe we expected that we would. And I think we're seeing that development and his own personal commitment to that development really showing through early in the season. I've been just so impressed with what he's brought to the table. You know, he's a first-round pick, sure. The expectations are high. They are exceeding my expectations right now for the draft range that he was selected. Yeah, it's yeah, it's
0: ridiculous. Like how hyped and optimistic after we saw such good things from this group last year, they're just continuing to give us more and more reasons to be excited about them. It's a deep roster. It's a young roster with a lot of club control. It. The defense looks great, man. Like it's 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 so much fun to see. We're gonna take a break. We got more to talk about
3: the defense right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app, find it on the App Store, or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network.
1: It's more fun to be there for live Kansas City Chiefs football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to wrap your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash Chiefs. Hey guys, it's Benny Heist from Benny and the Bets. And when it comes to improving your golf performance, there is nothing quite like a PXG custom club fitting experience with a true PXG fitting specialist. This data-driven fitting is going to help determine the right club heads, perfect loft, lie, and shafts to be able to completely transform and change your game and also lower your scores in the process. So it matter your skill level. You can be fitted for PXG's flagship Gen 6 clubs. They're designed to deliver incredible gains in distance, accuracy, and forgiveness. And for a limited time, you can use the code PXG75 when you sign up for a custom fit. And get 75% off your fitting at pxg.com. Or you can give their store in Kansas City a call at 913 396 6100.
2: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
0: Thanks everyone that is hanging out with us here today. We appreciate you. Uh, Quick reminder, just so you guys know, during the season, make sure you are checking out the eight ten pregame show uh, on eight ten. That's where you can catch all the pregame action for the Chiefs. So make sure you guys are checking that. Uh, It's the home of the NFL eight ten sports radio. We got some friends that uh, that may or may not uh, be on that or frenemies, depending on uh, on how you want to define it. Uh, Joshua Griswold. Joshua Briscoe can... You know. Team Briscoe. Uh, yeah, we know you're Team Briscoe. Of course you are. I'm team linebackers now. <laughs> this linebacker group, man...
1: Craig, I don't <laughs> like this. I don't like this. <laughs> he's in. I don't this
3: on our territory
1: here. Right, no, I and... don't like... It. He hates defense. He especially hates linebackers because they're like the boring yeah. players. They're, they're the running backs of the defense, according to Kent, and he's over here... Listen to this. He's about to talk about a Sam linebacker, which is a fullback. Not even a running back. He's about to yeah. embrace the fullback of the defense. We, I don't like this. He
3: might have supplanted Patrick Levon Mahomes as Kent's favorite player of this year already. I'm just saying this. I'm just saying, Ken. Yeah, no chance.
0: No chance. Um, <laughs> uh, no. I'm just. I'm smitten. Craig. Craig said the other day, uh, I'm smitten with the Sam linebacker. Yes, you I are. am. But I'll, uh, and I'll wax poetic a little bit, I'm sure. Like, I just, Leo Chanel, man, like, I think we all, like, I spent a lot of time this offseason talking about how excited I was about what he did in the Super Bowl. It looked like he played his best football in the biggest moments of his rookie season. Kind of took a little bit of time, was slow, all that. But he got better and better as the season went on. He looked more and more comfortable. And then he just comes out this year. And it feels like Steve Spagnuolo has done a better job weaponizing Leo Chanel this year and, and giving him opportunities to do the things that he's really good at. Yes, he is the same linebacker. He played uh, 37% of the snaps or 40, somewhere around there, I believe. He played like 25 snaps this week. I literally, the first the pl- the first <laughs> the first player I went and looked for on the snap count, uh, shout out our guy, Nick Jacobs, uh, <laughs> was Leo Chanel. Um, but man, I just, it feels like he's going to keep carving out some opportunities. They're going to try to figure out some ways to get him more and more on the field. You saw him kind of rush a little bit off the edge and walk Anton Harrison back into the lap of, of Trevor Lawrence. You know, you saw him identify the throwback and make an outstanding play to get around the tackle and challenge that throw to Trevor Lawrence, keep him at bay. Um, you saw him change directions pretty quick and chase on the slip screen. Uh, to hit into the boundary you know I, he still made a play you saw him just make you know great angle to the ball and you know make a tackle Get a little help i know but i just like there's so many little things that he did and it's just it's not just him that i'm excited about i'm just geeked about the slimebacking group it is it's they 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 have flexibility they have depth they have talent they are mixing and matching it feels like a little bit more than they did last year because they have confidence in all four of the guys that they've rolled out there. I mean, like I think I saw, saw someone said like Nick Bolton didn't get hundred percent of snaps. I was too blinded by Leo Chanel's snap count.
3: But it feels yeah, like the it's... second week in a row. Drew will yeah. subbed in at the mic while Nick Bolton was healthy. Nick Bolton also got injured, but while he was healthy, they're doing healthy, the they're they're doing, doing they're
1: doing Harris. Darius Harris. Yeah. The, yeah, the yeah. Darius Harris thing with him at Mike. And I mean I'm it's I guess working, right? I so like we'll see how it goes from there. Um I want to start with Leo Schnoll. Like, he has been great. And it gives the Chiefs another physical downhill linebacker to go with Willie Gay, who is really capable of taking on blockers and blowing them up. Nick Bolton plays very physically, except for when it comes to blockers. He much prefers to go around blockers or slip under them to make his plays. He does not like to engage with blockers very frequently. He likes to, he'll hit a running back in the hole as hard as you want, as hard as anybody in the league. He doesn't approach blockers with that same intensity. So having another guy like Leo Chanel to pair with Willie Gay that can do that, I think is really good for this team, especially when you consider, you know, I think Chanel might see the game a little better than Willie Gay does as well. Like I 100%. think he might process it out a little bit better. And he's coming downhill. And then to get into what I really love about this, the three-three-five 3 5 comes out. Leo. They put Leo Chanel, as a pass rusher, he rushed the passer eight times in this game against the Jaguars. You know how many s- pressures he had? Four. Four <laughs> pressures, but eight. Well, and now, I was going to say, the only one of them was a true pass set. So, like, only one of them was just a straight drop back pass. Everything else was, like, a rollout or, like, this de- like a play action kind of thing. So, like, he definitely got some, like, I'm, you know, I'm reading the play out. I'm giving great effort to chase it down. But, like, he was pushing the tackles backwards when he was rushing. He was getting pressure as an actual rusher despite a guy... Having, re- I mean, he, people ask us all the time, can he play defensive end? I still say no because the arms are just too short and I don't know if he can bend the corner like that, but as a just a, a change-up kind of rusher, he's looking pretty good. Like I said, only eight rush reps, 50% kind of pressure rate on those. That's really darn good, Craig.
3: Yeah, that's that's exceptional. And I love how much they are mixing things up. It is worth noting that Leo Chanel played As the Buffalo linebacker, that is the second linebacker, the 4-2-5 next to Nick Bolton on a couple of reps this week. That is the first we have seen that outside of the preseason. Typically, that is a Willie Gade role. And they typically just say, Hey, Willie, go out there. He's really good at dropping into throwing lanes. He's obviously got range. So they keep him on the second level there. This was the first time that we got to see that. Now, Willie was dealing with some stuff, you know, injuries, you know, cramping some stuff like that. It could have been that they detected that on the sidelines, and that swap just kind of naturally happened there. But they were really focused on getting Leo Chanel. They are—I I shouldn't say were—they are. It's it's a concerted effort now through two games to get this three-three-five defense on the field mm-hmm. to try and get more of this two-two defense on the field with you know Nick Bolton and Willie Gay Jr. as a pass rusher who also looks good, you know also in a spy role. There was a question in the chat, I believe, who's going to spy Justin Fields. We're going to get to the Bears stuff a little bit later this week. It's probably Willie. But, you know, I, I do think they are trying a number of things out and Drew Tranquil's usage has been the most interesting to me because Nick Bolton is a foundation, foundational piece of this defense. I don't think anybody's going to argue that one second. Steve Spagnolo could gush about him for. <laughs> Years and might we might still see that after a contract extension. The fact that Drew Tranquil is getting reps, the third drive of this game, Drew Tranquil was in as the Mike linebacker for the entire drive. Now Nick Bolton came in for one three three five snap, goes back out. Now it's Drew Tranquil's show again. It was also in the dime. Drew Tranquil was running the show as the Mike linebacker. They're not just throwing those reps away. This is a foundational piece that they are taking off the field that they are trying to see, can we trust this other guy with this? Can we get these reps in there? And Nick Bolton goes down hurt. I didn't have the moment of panic that I normally do when the Chiefs' Mike linebacker goes down hurt. That's not trying to slight Nick Bolton. That's just how good Drew Tranquil has been filling in for that as well. These are good problems to have, and their usage it, it, Brendan Daly and Steve Spagnolo coming up with a game plan to get all these guys on the field together and implemented this way has just been phenomenal. It has been revolutionary for this Chiefs defense. The best two game start of any Spagnolo era Chiefs defense. Maybe may back to the Giants. I haven't mean, done that far back. It is exceptional and it's it, by and large. Because the defensive line is playing well, this young defensive line, but it's this linebacking core and the swaps and the personnel changes that they're making that are just changing everything. And we, we go around. We, we, we see the inactives.
0: Why, why do the Chiefs only have one true nose tackle playing? Why? It, what,
3: it's because they're trying to get the linebackers on the field more. They And they should. They're carrying
1: six linebackers because they're going to use them all. And like, it made sense. It made sense for this game versus Detroit to yeah. have less nose tackles. I think I'd probably said it in the KCSN Discord, but I saw that Matt Dickerson was the only was the it was pulled up to be active while Keandre Coburn and every other nose tackle besides Derek Nottie was inactive. And I was like, hmm, that doesn't make sense. But I wonder if it's because they expect to see a lot of horizontal stretch stuff out of the Jags. The Jags are going to try to get outside the tackle. Dickerson is a little bit more agile than these other guys that would be playing in that role. I wonder if it would matter. Lo and behold, it might have only been one play, but there was an outside zone run where Matt Dickerson took his tackle, or took the guard, and drove him right on back into the running back's path, and the uh, Chiefs ended up making a stop on it. So, like, th- there was a reason that they didn't have more nose tackles, and I think part of it was 100% trying to get more linebackers on the field because they really did go to that three three five a lot early, but then they also, I think, just had a plan for how to attack the Jags uh, offense. Sorry to cut you off there, Ken.
0: No, it's great. It's great stuff, and, like, I don't know, it just feels like a little more mod- a little modernization from from a steve spagnolo you know you can it's i mean i don't think i think steve's been somewhat malleable and adaptive over the course of his career anyway mm-hmm. but it just feels like they've made a concerted effort to try to change some things up a little bit here and now we're seeing three down we're seeing i mean yeah you're right willie gay like willie gay and leo chanel i'm sorry getting all hot and bothered but i just like they're not they're not gonna ever be polished pass rushers or by any stretch of the word. But their ability to turn speed to power has always been noticeable in the run game as players. Like the fact that they are weaponizing such violence and physicality, to quote my new favorite player, Leo Chenal. Uh it's just fun to watch. It's fun to see them do it. And like they've got, you know, like if if you can trust it first off. Nick Bolton not having to play 100% of the snaps is a good thing for the longevity of this season. It's a good thing for his health, and it's a good thing for this team to have flexibility to mix and match backers based on what they prefer and what they want. I think this is a very diverse group now, just defensively. Like I think you could talk across the board. I think this is a diversified defense that can get into a lot of different stuff. You know, they've shown some different fronts. They've shown some different personnel groupings. I like what you see. So I I'm just I'm I'm beyond geeked about it, um, Maddie. I know you have one more question about the linebackers before we move on.
1: I do, and I don't say this in any form of like negatively about a player here, but how long do they keep getting Willie Gay a significant amount of snaps? Not that Willie Gay has been bad, but Drew Tranquil's playing fantastic, Leo Chanel's playing fantastic, Nick Bolton's playing fantastic not and Willie Gay I think is still playing good right I think he is still playing good he's still been very much the same Willie Gay that he's been almost every single year but at what point does this team look and say I don't know which of these guys are all going to be here next year it's obviously Bolt and Chanel but you don't know who else if Willie Gay's not in the plans going forward do we think there starts to be a time this year where he starts being the guy playing the fourth most snaps out of the linebacker room instead of higher up there and if so like when would that be coming?
3: I mean, that was why my ears perked as much as I did when Leo Chanel was in the Buffalo Nickel. Like that was that that was the first time. Like the three three five is Nick Bolton, Drew Tranquil, and Leo Chanel at the linebacker position, and it always has been. Willie's not mixing it. I've been way. conditioned. I've been so conditioned with the rigidity of the rotations at
0: linebacker over the last I few years. But I I all that, and I went, huh? I was I
3: mean, like, seriously. Like, it throws you off I, a little bit. I wrote damn near three thousand words on this last week from one week, eight total snaps of Steve Spagnuolo getting outside of his typical linebacker rotation. So yeah, I'm right there with you. But it has been those three. Willie's not mixing in in that three three five nickel yet. It, it, I, it remains to be seen if he's going to. He's mostly played in the base defense in the four three, and he's been playing in this four two five nickel. So Leo Chanel stealing any of that starts to make me wonder what's actually happening here. When's this going to be? Now, that being said, Willie Gay Jr. is about every fourth game due for a like a big time play, like a like a tremendous like pick six level play. Like It, it, it will happen. So he's going to see the field. And it, to Maddie's point there, it might be at the fourth most. But there's going to be one game that we're like, damn, I'm glad that guy's playing a lot of snaps. Because he's going to step up in such a big way at one point.
1: And he still played 38 snaps. Like, he still played the second most snaps by far.
3: There's still still ways to go before he's
1: in the fourth. It's just crazy, because I see all these other guys flash more, and that's kind of been Willie Gay's, like, uh, starting point when you talk about why he's so good as the flashes. And it seems like all the other linebackers are flashing more. It's only two games, right? It's like there's a lot of stuff to come, but I agree with Craig there's going to be a point that comes where there's going to be like two plays in one game where Willie Gay does something that only a couple of the linebackers in the NFL can do, and you're like, that's why he stays out there so much. But, when the play is this good on a consistent level from Bolton, from Tranquil, from Schnell, it kind of maybe gets harder to say, hmm, we need to give Willie Gay 38 snaps every single game so that on the fourth game, he can maybe have a huge impact.
3: Um, Yeah, played almost a little over half the snaps, and this defense looked terrific with him on the field without him on the field so i mean just just keep rotating i i think it's i think there is some
0: opportunity for chanel or for willie gay to have some of his snaps eaten into in some capacity but yeah it's a good problem to have mike dana another good problem to have mike dana on a contract year craig i know
3: you're geeked out to talk about him real quick um the chiefs I don't know if you guys heard this today, but Patrick Mahomes signed a contract extension. Our, our pals over at Only Weird Games covered that pretty extensively. We will probably touch on that a little bit later here, but they have a little bit of cap. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I don't. But they have a little bit of cap money now this year. I'm proposing that we use all of that cap money to sign Mike Dana right now before he gets way too expensive. Mike Dana <laughs> is playing. Some of the best football on this defensive line, and it's quieter than anybody realizes here. Yes, Chris Jones was exceptional; defensive player of the year worthy game yesterday. And look out, Justin Fields! Just, just <laughs> look at—you might want to tap out now. It might be the time to tap out now. Chris Jones is coming, but we, <laughs> we, we need to acknowledge how well Mike Dana is playing, not just as the setup man how quickly he is winning he has always been this guy that was kind of the spear on you know stunts that was winning on some of these aspects of of the game that are more underrated that people don't get the highlight reels and things like that now he's coupled all of that raised the level of all of that and added added just consistent flashy play with it like He is dominating offensive linemen through two weeks here. Yes, the Jaguars' offensive line was not good. Don't get me wrong. They were not good. But that Detroit offensive line was really good, and Mike Dana bullied them all day long. He started this last year with Joe Cullen. Everybody drink. started this last year with Joe Cullen, brings it into this year at the level that he finished last year with and is continuing to grow. He is probably the biggest beneficiary of Chris Jones being back because teams were starting to go, oh, hell, we, we might want to chip Mike Dana as the guy you know the, that we need to focus on as part of our offensive game plan. It means so much to this defense having somebody that not only is doing things exactly the way that this team wants them to. Being gap sound, being in their rush lanes, you know, it, executing everything to a full and then going. It, the do-your-job plus, Steve Spagnola always talks about, Mike Dana is the epitome of that player. When he's coupling that with ridiculously good pass rush, winning routinely in splashier plays, making impact plays on top of that do-your-job plus, that is the type of player that this Chiefs defense needs around for another four years. They need this guy along that defensive line. I am more than willing to sign him to a long-term extension right this very moment. He has been that good in the back half of last year and at the start of this year. I don't need to see any more because the more the more he plays like that, any agent worth their salt is going to be able to ask for 10 $11, 12000000 million a year for Mike Dana and be justified in doing so. So sign it now before it gets to that point. Thank you for that real quick four minutes
0: (laughs) 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 on Mike Dana. I could have gone longer. I know you could have. Dana's been great. Dana's been great. Uh, Craig is great. Also, Felix, Danny Duque Zama does seem to be using his hands better and better as the season goes on, Matthew. I know you're probably a little bit bit excited about that, so that was kind of fun to see as well. We spent 34 minutes on the defense. We're Uh going to get to the offense here in a second, but... We are back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw down $5 on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away with an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with code KCSN. That's code KCSN. New customers can bet just $5 to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.1800Gambler.net in New York. Call 8778 Hope NY or text Hope NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 789 7777 or visit CCPG.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 and older, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. And that, my friends, is how you read the legal terms on an ad. (laughs) The pen hit you in the chest.
3: No, it didn't. I caught it. It's right in my hand. Hey, you want to know why you nailed that? the legal terms on that ad? Because you've only been talking about defense, your mind's not clouded with all of that offensive BS. Wow, that's a good transition, Craig. Welcome, um, welcome, welcome to the clear side of things, buddy. All right, so
0: offense. We had the first game of the season, and it was all about man, these wide receivers. Mahomes doesn't trust them. Um, you know, game plan looked like a team that lost their best player, not named Patrick Mahomes hours before the game started and kind of had to piece in some things together like all that stuff right definitely think the receivers had a better game no doubt about it think the game plan was better tailored to the skill sets of the wide receiver group and taking some pressure off as Travis Kelsey but still getting Travis Kelsey involved in some capacity Um, but all in all some fumbles and on top of it I think the offensive line shares some blame now this week, right? It's just it feels like there is. It's it's going. This is my overarching statement. I think it's going to be a slog for a while as this team works to figure things out. Everybody's going to start playing on the same page at some point, but it is kind of a lot of new that we probably didn't take into consideration or appreciate because Mahomes has done so many amazing things. I think. I think we. Um, are seeing a lot of up and down inconsistencies up and down that roster on the offensive side of the ball. And I think after two games, I think we just need to accept that that's going to probably be the case for a little while. And good thing that the Chiefs have the best defense since the Marty Ball era.
1: So I I agree with you that it's going to take a little bit because it seems like there is a little bit of a missing identity on the offense. It seems like there's a lot of new parts trying to get it together. And I don't want to say it's Sloppy, although it is, it's more of just a lot of guys trying to figure out what they're going to do, I think, going forward. But this, this here really drove it home for me. And like, this is where I think the concern is. This is from Shao Kapadia of The Ringer. Um, yesterday's performance, it's an X of his from this morning. Yesterday's performance of the Chiefs' lowest offensive success rate in 96 starts from Patrick Mahomes. Week one against the Lions was 92nd out of 96 games in terms of offensive success rate. That's not good. And to top it off, it's not like the Chiefs are an explosive play offense right now, right? They're not hitting a bunch of explosive plays either. It's not as if they are being a boom or bust offense. It's just having trouble moving the sticks. They have been a really, really bad offense. This offense has been the, wor- it's been the worst two-game stretch under Patrick Mahomes' like tenure for the Chiefs, essentially from almost every statistic you could find. And that includes some games where he's been hurt and somehow this has been worse. And it's not somehow, like, we know why. There's wide receivers that are on the same page. This past game saw a lot of penalties, a lot of self-inflicted wounds. There's a lot of reasons for it. And you hope it ends in two games, but there's a difference between an offense trying to figure out their identity and still having some of the best players in the NFL on it. And then there's an offense that's borderline functional. And the Chiefs through two games right now are are edging on borderline functional as an offense right now.
3: Yeah, it's gross, to watch, and a lot of it is self inflicted. Like that's the that's the hardest part about it to watch. Andy Reid is like disgusted when he's talking about it on the on the podium because nothing pisses him off more than poor execution and then dumb penalties, like it just uh, silly penalties that are occurring time and time again that just keep putting you behind the sticks. The Chiefs' offense had some good plays. They did some good things out there this week. A lot of them got eliminated by holding penalties. A lot of them got eliminated by illegal formations. A lot of them, it, it was, it, it's dumb stuff. Stuff that shouldn't have impacted the play in the way that it did. And they left a lot of stuff on the field. I would be curious if, you know, you eliminate some of those holding penalties, which of course you can't, what our narrative would be coming out of this game. Because the Chief probably win this by multiple scores and, Uh, uh, like multiple touchdowns, not just, you know, what they did here. So I would have felt a lot better about the offense had they put up 24 points, 28 points, you know, uh, it would have made me feel like, okay, they're starting to turn things around. But instead the narrative that we're coming out of this is the chiefs committed a bunch of silly penalties. They couldn't pick up what the Jacksonville Jaguars were throwing at them. The wide receivers were better, but still couldn't get open. Patrick Mahomes looks a little skittish back there still and, you know, it just wasn't it wasn't clean. And so we're just so used to this offense even when they go through stretches with that, you know, two three drives, drive number 4, everything clicks. And all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, there's the offense." And then maybe they string together another one and, "Okay, everything's okay. They just needed to get stuff out." We're two games in and we're still waiting for that one consistent drive to come through here. So I don't know. I'm starting to get a little more concerned than I probably should with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid at the helm, but there is not a lot of silver lining other than the fact that it's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid at the helm.
0: That's a huge silver lining, Craig. huge
3: silver lining, yes. But
0: (laughs) I I I think there's guys trying to do too much at times. Uh, Marquez Valdez gantley trying to be more than he is on the first drive and walking, running away from you know the line to gain and giving up a first down so that they can get into a third and short. That Jim Patrick Mahomes throws the ball to Donovan Smith. I mean, Donovan Smith's trying to do too much there, man. Can't get out on the route like that, you know. You can't make yourself available to the quarterback like that. No, I just I, I think Donovan I, Smith dives forward, well, just yeah,
1: leans forward. He didn't do enough. You're talking to be mad about guys not doing too much. Donovan Smith should have done more. They
3: caught it. Yeah, more he than series
1: down. If he gets the first down, they have
3: to take the penalty. The Chiefs get to replay that third down. Instead, yeah. they gotta decline it. It's the fourth down.
1: Bill I mean, Belichick's team would be ready for this. Look at Cole Strange. Bill Donovan's Belichick's <laughs> team would have been ready for this.
0: Donovan just wanted to stay in the stat sheet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I it, I don't think it's blind faith. But Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and a lot of unproven players. A still hobbled Travis Kelsey. Yep. A, I mean, he didn't look the same. I mean, he's still yep. coming out of it. Uh, the tackles get challenged in a big way, and it's rough. And you know, Jawan Taylor has like a crisis at one point where the Chiefs pull him for two plays. I, I'm not, I'm not worried. And I feel like it's just, I'm trying to appropriately calibrate my expectations for a team that does have way more newness than we maybe appreciated. And I think the tackle problem gets solved. And I don't think Jawan Taylor played a bad game, actually. I think there were some, you know, rough penalties, but I don't think he was like a bad, I don't think he was that bad. Uh,
1: And was one of their better run blocking tackles. It was just the penalties, which is, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I see building blocks and things like I take away. Like it looks like, hey, okay, we saw two back shoulder throws to Justin Watson and Sky Moore. That's a great chemistry throw for Skymore. So like check one out there. Then Mahomes throws a great little play out of structure to Sky Moore. It's almost a little bit of redemption running to his right, lobbing a ball up over the defense, and Sky Moore comes down with it, makes a big play that essentially closes out the game. Um, you know, I, I think what we've seen with Rashi Rice in the ball with the ball in his hands. And I also think about, like, so, like, we've got building blocks, I think, if the run game started coming on strong in the second half. There are enough things that I think when it all gets put together, this team builds that identity, this team understands. I feel good, especially knowing that the Chase have the greatest defense in the history of the 85 Bears of defense. <laughs> um, Just knowing that and having comfort in that, I just, I do feel like I'm not panicking. I think I'm just kind of trying to recalibrate what expectations should be for a, a group that really put together a whole lot of new, and we didn't really appreciate that. That's where my brain has gone to at this point where I just, I'm trying to have the patience I expected to have with last year's defense and all the rookies, which has, again, turned into the 2000 Ravens. But I I, I just, I think it's a recalibration for me, and I'm coming into this now more calm knowing that it is going to be a steeper climb than I anticipated. But I do still feel good, two things, that this team will get right by the trade deadline. And if they don't, Brett Veach is going to make a move to help this group get right because he's not going to sit on his hands for the back end, especially when you have a generational defense on the other side of the ball.
3: I think he's going to jinx this.
1: Yeah, I know. (laughs)
0: I'm gonna start calling this the uh D LeVon Fence. <laughs> just gonna throw Lavon's middle name into it. Anyways, please continue, Matthew.
3: You know how we can tell we're talking about the offense again. Did you see what his brain just did. Yeah.
1: It's short-circuited <laughs> yeah. like the offense has. I think <laughs> I think the offense will figure it out. I do think that. But there's I think there's just I think there might be not fundamental things, but there's warning signs that there's fundamental issues. When this team gets into first and long or second and long, and I don't mean first and 10 or second and 10, I mean when it's first and 20 or second and 20, in years past, you had zero concern as a Chiefs fan. You, even if they ran it and mm. came up to a second and 20 again, you had no concern as a Chiefs fan because Patrick Mahomes lived for those situations. Can I, I, can I stop you real quick, though? Those are some of the most chemistry throws that
0: this offense has. The reason it works is they run the most basic thing. They run, they run sticks. Go run to the sticks, and Mahomes is going to throw it to the back of your head. And and Mahomes doesn't seem to trust that right now because the chemistry's okay. not there. Please continue.
1: No, no. Okay, so you get in those situations now, and it looks like it's completely lost. It's if if a screenplay doesn't bust on those, or if someone doesn't get force a two yard pass into a huge gain yards after the after the catch, it doesn't seem like they're ever going to make it without just complete heroics from Mahomes, which are still possible. But there used to be a level of confidence that you had if the Chiefs were facing a first or a first and twenty. How confident were you at last year they were going to pick up a first down, a facing Super. The first point? The most 98% confident. right. But now so far, it's only been two games. But this year I don't have that same level of confidence. And I I agree with you. It's because there isn't a trust with anybody besides Travis Kelsey right now who was hurt in this game. But here's my here's my next point. Who's gonna get that trust throughout this season besides Travis Kelsey? Look at who they have. You're gonna tell me that a rookie wide receiver that's getting to play like 10 snaps a game is all of a sudden gonna earn that wide receiver or earn that trust during the year? Kadarius Tony's never been a wide receiver. Wide receiver, he's always been a manufactured touch guy. Even look how he's used now, as he had according to Andy Reid, you know, no limitations on what he played. Look at all his routes. There's still things that are manufactured to be open. They're not timing based routes, getting the ball into you know intermediate areas or into tight contested catch spots. Who's gaining the trust to be that next guy besides Travis Kelsey? Who's earning the trust to be Juju Smith-Schuster for this offense last year? They don't really have a person that fits that mold in that role that you should really anticipate doing. I'm not saying they can't, but it's just it's hard to pick out who that guy is going to be. Rice so far, playing ten snaps a game, he's, he's getting the same usage. I'm not saying he's right now usage is Kadarius Tony. I'm saying more I, yards after the catch stuff though.
0: I think I think it will be I think it will be Rishi Rice by the time this team gets out of the break.
1: I would be surprised. I'm just i just saying, I want to start seeing signs of that coming. So let's get him to run some of those routes once in a while versus only having him run screens and little hitches. Right now, it's been Justin Watson. Justin Watson's the guy (laughs) getting those. You want to talk about timing routes? Those are going to Justin Watson. And guess what? He's making the best of them. I don't think he's been the Chiefs best receiver, but he's been their most productive and most efficient because he is the guy that is playing the most on time with moms. And maybe that's him. Maybe as the year goes on, he's the guy that takes over kind of that role to be the next you know, veteran guy that Mahomes trusts. So now when he does drop back, he's like, "Mm." hmm, Kelsey's not open. I know where Watson's going to be, and he's the guy I'm looking for next because I think that's what they're missing. There's only trust in one guy right now. It doesn't matter the concepts. It doesn't matter about getting a Rasheed Rice or Justin Ross out there anymore. It doesn't matter always about the tackles playing a lot better than what they are. I think they are fundamentally missing the next guy to have trust in besides Kelsey and Kelsey's not fully healthy. I do think they'll figure it out. It's just, I think there's warning signs that it could be a problem all year.
3: Okay. I I do want to talk to your point about being greater than 10 yards left. Third and 20 check down to Jarek McKinnon that went for 11 yards. That was one of their more productive plays on something like that. Scrolling up here. There was a 2nd and 14. That is the interception, the arm punt that Patrick Mahomes basically threw down the field. Terrible play. Burned that with fire. Uh, They had a a 2nd and 17. Went to Kelsey for 8 yards. That was an illegal formation. Did not get them back ahead of the 6 there. 2nd and twenty-two. yard pass. 3rd and 14. Noah Gray takes it 12 yards on a 2-yard pass. That was a check down where he made a guy miss in the flat. Gets it out there. The Chiefs convert the fourth down after that. That's their touchdown drive. That's the one. They were able to extend that one drive into that. Going forward here, they had more. It was great. So um, moving into here, a second and 17. Patrick Mahomes scrambles for 11 yards. Offensive holding. They bring it back. That's a second and 25. Seven-yard pass to Clyde. The 3rd and 18 is a 7-yard pass to Jared McKinnon. Again, you're not picking up chunk plays. You're not getting back ahead of the sticks at all. 2nd and 21, incomplete pass. 3rd and 21, check down to Kadarius Toney for 5 yards. Those are them. Like, that's what it They had 2nd and 15. It didn't look good for most of the day when they got behind the sticks at all. It was The moment they got behind the sticks, they were dead in the water outside of one drive, and it took Noah Gray basically putting it on his back and saying, yep. I am going to will this into a fourth down play call. It was, it, that's what it was. Yep, and it's, I I heard
0: a lot of guys that Malms is familiar with on those long downs, is what I heard. I know. It's not the yeah. <laughs> It's not the newbies. What I hear is the Chiefs need to beat the brakes off the Vikings in a few weeks so that they're out of contention and decide that they want to trade Justin Jefferson. Um, that's also one potential alternative to all of this because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers aren't doing their job, uh, and are winning football games. So maybe they're going to keep Mike Evans. Oh God, had
3: a hell of a week.
0: Yeah, he did. Uh, it was pretty good. <laughs> all right, guys, I want to make a, a decision on this show together on air. This is a production decision. We missed sticker slaps, and spirits last, uh, last week. Now I, I'm more than willing to chalk it up just for you know, uh, just just for you know. It's just it's the season. It was you know four days after the game. Are we bringing sticker slaps and spirits back this week and this year?
1: Yes. Okay. that well, shouldn't be a question.
0: Absolutely. All right. uh, I do I do helmet stickers right. Mm-hmm. I want to give a helmet sticker to my new favorite player, Leo Chanel. I I am so uh, thrilled to see you thriving. His helmet doesn't have seventeen spots for a sticker every week. It's okay. <laughs> oh, this might be the new Travis Kelsey bit. This might be my Travis Kelsey bit. Um, no, I just I, I was so excited to see Leo Chanel. You know, like we had him top 50, 60 in the KCSN mm-hmm. draft guide in twenty twenty two. We really big fans of him, and some of the things that we really got excited about are really manifesting themselves. Big, strong, physical, powerful players uh, that have any level of smarts and instincts. At, it seems to be playing pretty well, and I'm very, I'm very much enjoying that. So, a helmet sticker goes to Leo Chanel uh, for this weekend, also last week. So, uh, two helmet stickers for Leo Chanel, a member of the 2000 Ravens defense.
1: Oh, is it me? Um, Bucklers coming in for. Isaiah Pacheco. We talked about the offense. We didn't give any credit to the run game. And kind of like the Chiefs, they forgot about it for the first half of the show, but they came on strong at the end. So Pacheco, much like the uh, closing out the Jags game is a win for the Chiefs, he can close out our lab show, besides whatever Craig has, um, as the first here. I thought he ran hard. Shocking. When the Chiefs decide to run gap stuff with Isaiah Pacheco and don't have him try to scan for multiple different gaps and holes and just have him make kind of one read and put his foot in the ground and go, it works. So maybe we see more of that. Cross our fingers, we get more gap scheme stuff for Pacheco, because when he gets running downhill, he is very difficult to deal with for defenses. And I honestly think he thrives. I think if you hit him, he comes back even better the next play the harder you hit him. He does not want to be just taken down gently for like one yard. No, he would rather get jacked up. He would rather show up on the jacked up segment of this old ESPN countdown shows than he would just get tackled normally because he's going to come back better and stronger. So Isaiah Pacheco, a little butt slap on the way out.
3: I mean, this is the easiest one in the world. A whole ass bottle of bourbon, right back here for Chris Jones. Welcome back, buddy. My, I think the concern that everybody had with Chris Jones missing time, the you know through the preseason and into the first game was that he was going to come back and he was going to be rusty and that maybe he wasn't going to be in football shape and none of those manifested outside of maybe some cardio at the end of the game. He was phenomenal. He is a reminder of how good of a player he is stepping on the field. I think everybody immediately saw the level that he came into play with and all of us, whether or not you thought it out loud, subconsciously in the back of your brain, you went, Chiefs are going to be paying some incentives this year. They just are. He looks like that level of player. I don't know if it's defensive player of the year level yet. We're going to find out because he's got a string of teams that he can rack up some serious stats against. This was the first one that he showed up, proved it, looked exactly the player that we all expected him to be with a full off season. already looks that great. So Whole ass bottle of bourbon. Chris Jones. Welcome back, buddy. Uh, we
0: do ask for game balls from from all of you. Uh, we will do that a better better job of that last next next time. Drew Tranquil getting some love. Trent McDuffie getting some love as well. Uh I think those are two guys that definitely deserve a game ball as well. Very fun uh very fun show boys it was very enjoyable to watch this team win a game we will be back on thursday to preview the 2023 bears against the 85 bears defense that is going to do it for the kc laboratory thank you all so much we appreciate you we'll catch you
2: later go leo without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop